In, in fact, the back uh, page of Nameplace Animal Thing talks about uh, what I believe are the three most important attributes uh, that people need and, and how they kind of interrelate, which is curiosity. And uh, curiosity lends itself very naturally to a certain kind of empathy and a certain kind of humility as well, because the more you're curious about, the more you realize that you don't know. Welcome to the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast, the place where we help entrepreneurs to not hate their boss. Our mission is to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. My name is Robert Peterson, former passer turned CEO and the smiling coach. I believe that success without happiness is failing, but there is hope. Join us each week as we bring you an inspiring leader or message to help you. Thanks for investing time with us today. Hey, let's do it. Our guest today knows a thing or two about business. He's founded or co-founded multiple tech startups. He's an author whose recent book was designed to talk about the tough question. So what do you do? He is clear that the answer should not be your current title on your LinkedIn profile. In 2021, he published Name, Place, Animal, Thing, an Amazon bestseller to help people answer this dreaded question. He enjoys mining the intersection of various spheres of life and work. Speaking of which, he's the CEO and co-founder of StreamAlive, a category-defining, fun, and engaging web application that helps live streams and live events on Zoom, YouTube Live, in-person, and everything in between literally come alive. Lux and Ryan and Robert discuss the power of humor in connection and three important characteristics all of us should develop, curiosity, empathy, and humility. Man, imagine how that would change the world. Lux wants to help increase engagement with live video so that presenters can interact virtually with their live audience. If you're an entrepreneur who started their business with a purpose and a passion that has been lost in the busyness of the daily grind, we get it. That is why we've opened up our free strategy calls. A lot of entrepreneurs, probably including you, just want a sense of clarity on the barriers holding them back that you need to overcome in order to accelerate your growth and achieve your dreams. These short 30-minute calls give you a chance to work with one of our coaches without any commitment or pressure. Scheduling is easy. Just go to smilingcall.com. Let's jump on a call and get you the help and clarity you need. Select a time and let's build your business. It's time for you to add value. Well, Lux, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have this conversation. You have such a diverse background and experience, not just on TEDx stages, but in product development and and uh, you know software as a service development. And so, just love your journey. So, I just love to hear how you stepped into this entrepreneurial space and and started companies. Hey, thank you, Robert. It's it's it's, it's great to be here. I've I've listened to some of your podcasts and. And it's good to be a guest on, on this side of it. Uh, I, th I think to some extent, I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, and, and in fact, right out of college and now I'm going decades ago, my first gig was a very, very short-lived entrepreneurial one that lived for all of one month because the company we pitched to didn't give us business, but they gave us jobs that were far better than anything we could have gotten in college. So me and my band of wastrels, so to speak, jumped down to that opportunity the moment it came along. Uh, nice. 
you know so, so to some extent i think it's it's kind of always been there and then life happens and you tend to it's always a risk versus reward kind of an equation uh, worked a regular job for um, about 7 years in in advertising and that helped me refine my chops in in you know branding and marketing and all of those things um listen to a siren call from a very dear friend who was a tech entrepreneur at a time it was not fashionable to be a tech entrepreneur this is 2005 Uh, before words like the cloud and everything had entered a popular lexicon and he wanted to do an online data backup software uh, joined up with him and then within that company got the idea for another company that i left and and started which became a company called unmetric um and my friend became my first angel investor in that company so the unmetric journey was all from 2010 to 2019 when the company got acquired and then uh, took a break after that for various reasons professional and personal went on a separate creative sabbatical and out of the blue with no plans for it the idea for what we're doing right now a company called stream alive happened so it's been a bunch of happy and serendipitous accidents i'll confess <laughs> well i mean i i got i think you should be putting it out there to have your your first entrepreneurial endeavor taken over within 1 month is pretty impressive like <laughs> to, to to move straight from pitching pitching your services to to the company to going to work for them i mean that sounds like a corporate takeover like <laughs> they bought you before you even existed practically i think from this point on i'm going to call it a corporate takeover i think that sounds a lot more a lot lot better than the way i described it thank you <laughs> <laughs> well I like that you're 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 willing to pivot, right? And and you recognize that there's that just to take the yes, right? Take the opportunity that that's before you and then and then shift which leads you to obviously stream alive. Um I assume was a endeavor powered empowered by everybody working from home and and moving on to Zoom meetings and and the large the large movement into that space. and and so describe stream alive a little bit for us and and just let the listeners know what what it's what it's trying to provide and the the problem it's trying to solve sure and 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 just to react on the first two things you said a big fan of pivots so stream alive was kind of a life pivot and the previous company unmetric was a business pivot so both came out of pivots uh yes Stream Alive was a pandemic baby, so to speak. It was born in the pandemic through a very parallel journey, and and um, I'd, I'd love to dive into that if if that's of interest in terms of how sure. how that came about. But let me answer your last question right off the bat in terms of um, you know what we do at Stream Alive, and um, thanks to the pandemic and and everyone going online at that point, I guess none of us are strangers to being participants in let's say a youtube live or or a zoom meeting or a zoom webinar where um, you know one of two things happen either the chat flies by faster than the eye can see and the presenter is just struggling to stay on top of what is happening or you got a situation where the presenter wishes that the chat would fly by faster than the eye can see because he or she has a as an audience that's that's refusing to respond or you more often than not got the situation that's somewhere in between where let's say you've got 100 active participants and uh, the presenter asks a very innocuous classic icebreaker question like hey where are you joining us from and 100 enthusiastically you know enthusiastic people type their cities or countries 
and then three of them are called out so it's like uh, all right robert's here from from south america lux is here from from jersey and someone's here from cairo and let's ignore the remaining 97 people although they took the time and effort to type where they are from unfortunately that's become par for the course right where it's it's considered okay to ignore people in a one to many setting because we don't know any 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 better right um and and um, what we're trying to do at Stream Alive, or rather doing at Stream Alive, is using technology to change that by essentially giving the audience a collective voice. And we do that by reading the chat, which could be the YouTube live chat or the Zoom chat or the Microsoft Teams chat or whatever platform people are chatting in. Uh, just reading that native chat in real time, giving it a visual voice and showing that in a way that makes sense. So, for example, in the part where people are typing where they're joining from, what Streamalive would do at that point is pull up a map, map people as they type within one-tenth of a second of their typing a city, it would map them. So if you were to say hi from, from Colombia, it would actually map out Colombia and South America and mention your name against it. And the presenter is simply showing that map to the participants. So, so what happens is in a webinar or, you know, let's, let's take the case of many coaches who use the platform to engage with a whole bunch of people that they work with, people feel a lot more included a lot more heard, and as a result, a lot more engaged. So our mm. mission is to change these one-to-many settings from 95% ignored to 95% engaged. I really like that idea, right? The, the idea that it's okay to ignore people in a one-to-many setting, I don't know, is, is intentional, but it's also a product of the current, you know, technology. And so creating a solution to... Um, acknowledge those people. So let's talk about that engagement. What it, what what happens when people feel engaged, and how does that change the dynamic of of the community? Really. So to to react on your point on the technology, you're absolutely right. That's been a limitation of the technology, and therefore we've taken it as a norm, saying that it's okay to ignore people, or we allow people to participate, but we make it. So so difficult for them to participate, right? So I've been in meetings um, where, you know, uh, if you wanted to participate, you'd have to scan a code, go to a URL, enter a complicated sequence of six letters and numbers that would put the CIA to shame. And then you enter all of that, you go into a thing simply to say how you're feeling today and generate a word cloud, right? Uh, to me, that was like you and me meeting in a conference and I ask you a question and you're about to answer and I say, no, no, hang on, hang on, Robert. There's a ballot box outside near the cafeteria right next to the men's loo. If you don't mind, go put your answer out there and I'm going to wait here while you come back. That, that's kind of what we're doing with digital rooms, right? Um, so, so the first tenet of what we did was let's make it frictionless. So instead of asking people to go to a product, which was a norm, the, the fundamentally different thing we do at Stream Alive is getting the product to the people. So Stream Alive integrates with YouTube Live, integrates with you know, uh, Zoom meetings or Zoom webinars. So from a participant's perspective, they, they, they simply type in the chat, right? And the thing to, to get to your question on what happens when people are engaged, it actually starts with including them. So if a person writes an answer and you take zero cognizance of the fact that they chose to answer, they're not going to answer again which is what used to happen when I used to participate in sessions and people say, where are you joining from? I was like, I mean, who cares? So I'm not going to answer the question. But here's what happens. 
when you find that your answer is visually represented or collectively represented along with others, you suddenly realize that your voice matters and you tend to participate. So in the map thing, let's assume that, uh, I mean, here I am about an hour west of New York City and the whole bunch of people are answering and there's no one from the East Coast. I almost feel it, it my moral duty to type, you know, Jersey, because otherwise, guess what? We're not represented on the map. So people... The moment they know they're going to be included and counted, they tend to participate a lot more. So, you know, we have these analytics modules and things in the product that uh, no surprises. When you ask people a question and you acknowledge it using the platform, the, it's a huge surge in, in participation and, you know, comments per minute and all of those metrics that, that simply show that people care enough to be engaged and participate. So it's it's, it's very, very simple. Ask people questions, they will answer as long as you acknowledge their answers. Use technology to acknowledge their answers, right? <laughs> nice. Well, and, and, and of course, if they're engaged at that level, when you get to the end of the webinar, which is typically when you have some service or offer to make, right, a call to action to make, even if that's not selling a product, there's a call to action, right? These people need to do something. How much more likely are they to do it if, if they've been engaged through, throughout the presentation? Absolutely. I mean, one is that they're going to be they're, they're more engaged and therefore there's a higher propensity to to engage with you for the next level, which is to either jump on to the next level of engagement or buy what you're selling or, or explore it in a little more detail. The second thing that happens is that the drop off through the session reduces. Hmm. So we had a very funny instance of this last week where we had this um, chess YouTuber. I didn't know that as a genre, people playing chess <laughs> and then commenting on it. And about 4,000 people listening live and participating. Wow. It's crazy. I mean, I'm discovering worlds I didn't know existed. <laughs> so um, he used it. He loved it. And um, when we asked him what he liked the most, um, he gave us an answer that I would not in my wildest of dreams have imagined. So he streams for about three hours. And as any reasonable human would need to, he needs to take a bathroom break sometime in the middle of those three hours. So apparently each time he, in previous times, and he used to do this every week, uh, when he'd take a bathroom break, his engagement would kind of drop because people would go find the next shiny object on YouTube and move on. What he did this time around was to ask an open-ended question just before he went to the bathroom break, opened up StreamAlive, shared his screen. And as people were typing words in the YouTube live chat, StreamAlive was generating a real-time <laughs> word cloud that was growing and throbbing and moving and dancing based on the words that they were saying. And there was a full-fledged war between two factions on the YouTube chat to get one of two people upvoted in terms of choice. Right? He said, do you like this person or this person? And both the factions were kind of warring it out each against each other. And he came back and he saw a full-fledged war between them on the chat and the word cloud moving. And the best part, he said, he had almost zero drop-offs because most people were too busy chatting. So I would never have pitched that as a benefit a week before that. But now, of course, we do. So. <laughs> well, I, I assume there's, there's, there's not very many clients that do three-hour-plus <laughs> presentations. But it's an interesting, inter interesting result. And so... I, I really like this real-time engagement because one of the disadvantages of, of podcasting is that it's it's very one-directional. And, and I've been working diligently in, in the backside trying to figure out, all right, how do I create community? How do I create engagement? How do I give this audience that's 
given me all their time in respect of listening to our program and hopefully receiving value, but how do I give them a chance to interact and in, in creating that? So I love the real-time map, love the real-time world, word cloud. What other real-time things does does live stream uh, stream a lot of create? So our, our um, thinking is, is, is very simply this, right? Uh, presenters have things like PowerPoint and Keynote to, to visualize what they want to say. Um, Stream Alive helps to visualize what they need to listen to. So it's almost like PowerPoint for the audience, right? Um, so, so just like you have templates in PowerPoint for different slides, we, we, we believe it's our job to create a whole bunch of templates. And these are two of the templates we have. Some of the other ones are, are very simply polls, which I don't mention first on because every platform has polls. But um, it's interesting. What we do is, you know, the presenter would simply share their screen and say, here's option one, two, three. And all you need to do is in the chat, in the Zoom chat, you don't need to go to a different window and participate in the poll. You just type one, two, or three. And the polls literally race and dance against each other. They've been, they've been compared to horse races and the Kentucky Derby. But they... <laughs> nice. So, so that's the other uh, thing we did different. A lot of polls ask the audience to participate. And then there is, there, there is like a pause, you know, a grand pause. And then three minutes later, everything's revealed in terms of here is what won. Why not keep it dynamic? Why not show those three bars battling it against each other? So we do polls in a slightly different way. Uh, we got something called transient thoughts, which is, uh, you know, which tries to capture the feeling of when you're in the lobby of a theater or a cinema and you hear people talking, you can't catch their words entirely. It's just like a thought blurb that comes and disappears into the ether. So what happened was this. We had a few people on Zoom using us and using the word clouds, which is great for short form text. And they said, I want to ask my audience a question that has a longer answer, right? Like, what is your new year resolution? They're not going to answer that in two words. So can you accommodate sentences? And word clouds are not good for sentences. So we built transient thoughts where, depending on the space, cadence, and length of people's responses, the platform automatically creates these thought blurbs that almost emulates different thoughts coming into a room. So it's visually like a comic strip where you see these thoughts, and then the next one, and the next one, and the next one. It's like, you have you're a fly on the wall listening to all these people talking. So that's that's transient thoughts. Um, we've we've got we're also trying to make it all interesting and fun. So there's one which we're building right now, which um, allows you to say, okay, I don't know which of these four we need to cover today. Right? Uh, here are the four choices. Uh, I don't know which one we should discuss. Let's have some fun. Let's spin a circle, and it's going to end on one of them, and then you kind of um, wheel of fortune kind of thing where you decide <laughs> on one. And we're taking that forward into saying that instead of having choices there, populate the circle with the names of every person who chose to comment up to that point in time. Wow. So it's almost like if you comment, that's your lottery ticket. And then you spin a wheel with everybody who commented. And then it spins and spins. And then it ends and ends on Robert. And you say, Robert, you get a free Stream Alive t-shirt or you get a free whatever I'm selling. Or you get a you know half an hour session with the presenter later for a one-on-one -on -one coaching for your business. It's to make it fun. It's to make it you know gamified, and all of it is rooted in, in audience engagement. I've been saving the best for last in terms of what we have, which is something called uh, quick questions. So what we do is, um, you know, the, we encourage presenters to ask the audience to type a question anytime they have in the chat. Right? Um, it, it it used to really vex me about how, for example, on Zoom webinar, they've got a Q&A feature and they've got a chat feature. And I've been on webinars where people would 
ask a question in the chat and they would be told they'll be severely reprimanded like they were back in school please <laughs> don't ever ask a question in the chat ask a question in the q and a that's the place for questions i mean if i were ha having a conversation with you about you robert and i ask you about your family and i say no go there and talk about family go here and talk about questions in business you talk in this it's not normal to compartmentalize conversations into rooms so what we built is the ability for stream alive to sniff out questions automatically so something has a question mark in the end that's easy for stream alive that's very kind of the user got to help the bot but even if it doesn't have a question mark if it's got a what with an intonation and stuff if you just type what it's not going to say that's a question but stream alive intelligently figures if something sounds like a question or smells like a question and with about 85 to 90% accuracy it's able to take all the questions that came in the chat at any point in time from the beginning of the meeting pull them into a separate bucket so if you click on quick questions on your stream alive dashboard it's going to say from the last one hour here are the 18 questions i picked up now it's your job to go answer them Right. Wow. So, so that that's another feature. Yeah. Well, and and as a presenter, that can be so powerful, right? Because we've all been in meetings where the presenter scrolling back through the chat among all the cities and all the names, looking for that one question that somebody asked, and they saw it, but it, they, now they can't find it. And so, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What a what a I'm, great move. I mean, I, I would add among all the cities and the countries and the choices, and also the is this being recorded? Will we get a copy of it later? So you know, <laughs> that's a question. Streamalive would yeah. capture it, so you can answer that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and then imagine how much more powerful because you don't skip any questions. There, ninety percent of them are ending up in that bucket, and you can make sure if you want to, you can answer them all there, or you can answer them all in follow up, and and create opportunities to make sure that that everybody's question was acknowledged, and how much more you know. Does that add to your frequently asked questions? The next time you present, you could answer those questions by changing your, adjusting your presentation to answer the questions that are actually coming up, rather than the ones you think the people should be asking. That, that, that's a beautiful point, and I'm glad you brought it up because uh, there's an analytics module in the platform which does exactly that. tells you tells you what worked, what kind of questions people asked, and everything. And the idea is it helps you prepare a better runoff show for the next time you're doing it. So it's almost mm -hmm. like a circuitous thing where you. You prepare, you know. You tracking. You prepare for engagement. You track engagement. You increase engagement, and then you analyze engagement, which helps you prepare for even more engagement next time around. So, so that's oh. kind of the workflow. Yeah, so powerful. All right. So you mentioned the journey of uh, of Stream Alive and and some of the challenges, um, and and make I guess making the decision to to jump into that into that space. Yeah, it it it, it um, happened towards the end of 2019. So um, the previous company that I co-founded, a company called Unmetric, in the social media benchmarking space, uh, which again came out of a business pivot. So Unmetric was acquired in the end of 2019, and we were acquired by a Danish company, which had previously been acquired by a public American company, which had then been acquired by a private equity firm. So what I'm getting at is. <laughs> within a month in october 2019 we moved from being an independent company of 75 people to having a parent grandparent and a great grandparent at one shot in the corporate sense <laughs> um and and a good lesson in perspective at that point i thought that's the most chaotic thing that can happen to me but a month later we had a medical emergency in the family with our older son touch what he's fine now but at that point he was in a hospital in berlin for two weeks had to be airlifted in an air ambulance to the states uh, 
was here in hospital for two months. So suddenly, the whole perspective changes in terms of what's important. Um, and then he got discharged in early 2020, and then the whole world goes into lockdown with with COVID. I just I just thought, you know, it's it's kind of going from the ridiculous to the sublime in terms of it's it's surreal the kind of things that were happening. So that and the company structure and everything. Um, in the month of May 2020, once uh, the 75th employee at Unmetric had transitioned into a great role within the acquiring company, uh, I, I left and so did many of my other co-founders, two of whom are also co-founders at Stream Alive now. And um, I, I took a break during the time, uh, quickly realized in about two, three months that I was incapable of sitting still and needed something to <laughs> occupy myself. Um, you know, got into a kind of a solopreneur venture at that point, I, I would like to think, which was uh, this book, which has been in my head for a very long time. So um, this is this is a book. It's called Name, Place, Animal, Thing. Nice. And, and, and the book is basically designed to help people get better answers to that question. So what do you do? Um, for example, if I were to ask someone like you, and I've heard about your profile. I know you're a podcaster. I know you've been... Um, you know, and you've been a pastor, you've been in different countries, you've been in different continents. I think saying you're a podcaster would be a huge disservice of an answer to what do you do for someone like like Robert Peterson, right? Uh, so, so the whole idea is that there are more layers to us than what we're doing right now for a living or, or the most significant part of what we do. And one way to explore that is to make more things, get in touch with your inner animal, explore places near and narrow, not just far and wide, and to wear more hats in society beyond just a job and title, right? So um, it's, it's it's an allegory stri style book, like, you know, Monk who sold his Ferrari or Jonathan Livingston Siegel and stuff. Uh, re reason I bring up the book and, and shamelessly plug it here is because uh, I didn't know the first thing about how to write, edit, market and to get amazon and jeff bezos to bless your book <laughs> uh, in terms right so, so so i signed up for a bunch of classes and these were delivered on zoom meetings and zoom webinars and youtube live and facebook live my class sizes were anywhere from 10 students to 1100 students so in the end of 2020 i paid for six online classes which were delivered over 56 live streams all of which I attended within a 90-day period. So I was attending a live stream every one and a half days. Wow. And that's where, I mean, the, the nice thing about that is, I mean, one, one is you're back to school and, and you realize that, that that age hasn't been kind on you in terms of your ability to assimilate that much. But you suddenly see patterns, right? All these things I told you a little while ago in terms of people being ignored or people being sent to weird places just to participate and be heard or... Q&A being so, so complicated or people dropping off simply because they, they were not acknowledged or the chat flying by faster than the presenter can see or the chat not flying by at all and being static. All of those were things I saw in 56 live streams. And therefore, the idea for Stream Alive came in those 90 days. Uh, got my old colleagues and my co-founders together, built out a first version, a pilot, started talking to people. I mean, the, the market is really teachers, preachers, sellers, entertainers, town halls, trainings, meetings, webinars. So talk to people across all these areas and uh, said, okay, this, this can redefine how we communicate in large groups. So when I wrote the book, I had absolutely no idea for what I would be doing next. Uh, 90 days later, I had a product idea, which, which is my life now. So, so, so it's funny. It kind of makes sense when you look back. But at that point, looking forward, I had absolutely no clue. We will be right back after this short break. 
This episode is sponsored by Perfect Publishing, a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing carefully chooses heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Well, I first of all, I just love the you honored the idea. And I think so many people, and I know so many people listening, get an idea, and then the first thing their brain says, you can't do that, and they let it go. You know, well, that's not for you, right? That that mindset within mo- many people is is an idea killer. <laughs> and, and the minute that idea just comes right the and I believe these ideas exist, right? They're they're out there, you know, with source and sources, sources putting them out there for us to catch. <laughs> and 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 so few people catch them and say, Ooh, this is great. In fact, I know that many of the people listening have watched television and watched a webinar or listened to a podcast and said, that was my idea, right? Because that Absolutely. idea had passed through them too. And they and they didn't take action. So I I I love that you just you saw this problem and you said, I'm going to take action and I'm going to call my team and I'm going to put a team together and, and, you know, can we do this? Right. Instead of saying, well, that's not for me because I'm writing a book, right? Right now that's my focus. I'm writing a book. And, and I think we get caught up in a lane and we don't, we don't honor the, the intersection. We don't honor this thing that just crossed our path and said, woohoo, look at me. <laughs> we can change the world, but it goes by so fast. It, it's so easy to ignore. And so I love that you honored the idea and, and, and took action on it. And I, mean, I, I couldn't agree more with what you just said, because um, it, it, it happens to all of us, right? You've got this, this either around you, which is swarming with ideas and things that you're exposed to. And once in a while, some of them trigger something in you, which is probably a function of, um, you know, how intense it is, how it, it is, how much it resonates with you and how much it kind of, dovetails with certain things inherently that that you hold dear so for example in my case uh, after a lot of introspection i figured that whether i worked whether it was working in marketing or advertising or you know pitching investors pitching potential employees to join our company pitching customers i've been presenting for a living for the last few decades right so to some extent this idea about changing how we present how we communicate resonated a little more with me because presentation kind of runs runs in my blood in in some form or fashion uh, with someone else it, it might be a different set of ideas a different thing that resonates with them so that's i guess a first step you know what resonates with you what strikes a chord with you which um, is, is a function of your own background interests and and passions and then there is a second step you you you, you talked about which is the acting on it which now comes, I'll admit, a little more easy because um, after having been an entrepreneur for about 17 years now, um, you, you've done every stupid mistake out there. So you're, you're not too, um, you're not too scared or worried about uh, going out there and doing things. I mean, I've I've done some ridiculous mistakes, um, including you know when when we had an online data backup software and I was in India at that time and we wanted to make T-shirts and we had these proud loud T-shirts saying I'm backed up. And I didn't know that had a connotation over here in, in, in the U.S. And we went out proudly with that. So you're, you're used to doing stupid things. And, and therefore, the bar for 
movement gets progressively lower. So I think to some extent, it's a muscle that's been developed after years of entrepreneurship. Um, and also the ability to tap into resources, right? You know whom to go to, to, to build out a team. You've done that before. So to some extent, um, I, I come from a position of privilege in that, from having done that for, for, the, for, for some time. But, but you're absolutely right. There's an inner voice that kills it for so many people because uh, it's like, you you know, the number of things that can go wrong are pretty high. And if you if you listen to that more, it's, it's very easy to say, nah, I mean, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned you're presenting and that presenting runs in your blood. And obviously, you've done a lot of presenting in the business space. How did how did presenting stand up or performing stand up help in, in the presenting space? Oh, scariest thing I've ever done, right? So, so I did a stand-up set of five minutes here at the Comedy Cellar here in New York. And it, it was just to scratch and itch. It, it was like, can I do this? And I, I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy. Um, was taught and told that comedy has a fair amount of structure that can be learned in, in some interesting ways. So signed up for a class for about six weeks. Uh, end of it had five minutes of material to show for it, which when I was on stage felt like 25 minutes, <laughs> but um, it's, 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 it's very scary. Uh, but it was one of the most beautiful things I did because I, I think laughing is, is such a such a fundamental human emotion, right? The ability to be able to elicit laughter among a bunch of strangers uh, with whom um, you, you share some common things you don't, and therefore the premises might match, might not match. Um, I, I just learned a lot about the structure of, of communication, for example. Like every joke has a premise, and then it has a setup, and then it has a punch, right? Um, that's exactly what happens with magic. That's exactly what happens with anything that, that, that you do with surprise. So I think a lot of presentation can learn from you know, teachers, preachers, magicians, comedians, because, uh, the, the, you know, whether it's learning about first principles, metaphors, comedy, or surprise, it is things you should be getting into, into presentations on a day-to-day -day basis. So comedy helped me present better. Um, I naturally lean towards humor and comedy, and therefore it allowed me to double down on that in terms of, you know, even little things like the user interface of Stream Alive has little jokes and inside jokes and dad jokes here and there, which which I think add personality to a product, and, and those come from comedy as well. Uh, at a very fundamental level, it made me more observational. So, you know, earlier where I, where I would be waiting in an airport, I'd be checking my phone and mail. Now I don't. My phone is inside, or at best, it's open on Apple Notes because I'm looking for inspiration for humor and comedy and writing down notes as and when I see it, right? You're suddenly looking at things around you, people around you, stuff happening around you, and, and that extends to other dimensions of life as well. So I think it it just makes you a lot more alive, a lot more receptive to things happening around. And for an entrepreneur, I think that's a that's a that's a very important lens to have because, like we said earlier, there are there are signals, but we need to be open and open to receiving them. And I think those the kind of things are are in a very strange way refined by things like comedy. I don't know. Does that make sense? I mean, I absolutely. I yeah. No, I love it. It, and I just love that intentionality, right? Instead of you know sitting in the airport bored traveling, now I'm I'm using this to, to to people watch, to observe, to 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 learn more. And I think, you know, as a coach, the power of curiosity is 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 one of the most powerful tools th that I can have. And and if I'm curious about somebody, then I then I'm not judging them. And I and I think. On a, on a human level, 
if more people exercise curiosity rather than judgment, uh, obviously the world would be a much better place. Oh, to totally, totally. In, in fact, the back uh, page of Name Place Animal Thing talks about uh, what I believe are the three most important attributes uh, that people need and, and how they kind of interrelate, which is curiosity. And uh, curiosity lends itself very naturally to a certain kind of empathy and a certain kind of humility as well, because the more you're curious about, the more you realize that you don't know. Um, and, and and therefore, that, that also cultivates um, humility, right? I, I don't know if you know the story about who was it? Um, Umberto Eco, who had this massive library of books. Uh, do, do you know that story? Uh, I'm not familiar. Okay, so it, there's also a video. If you if you search, there's a YouTube video of someone walking through his personal library, which is, I mean, which would put most uh, suburban libraries to to shame. And someone asked him, "Have you read every book here?" He said, "Oh no, no. I mean, I haven't even read one percent of them." He said, "Why do you have so many books?" He said, "Just to remind myself of how much I don't know." <laughs> right. <laughs> or how much there is to know. And and I think that, that curiosity lends itself pretty well to humility as well. But um, yeah, I mean, to, to, totally agree. And by the way, I'm going to use, next time I talk about this, I'm going to use the word intention, intentionality because I think that's a more powerful way of expressing it. So I'm taking notes. The first company <laughs> was a corporate takeover and this is intentionality. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. My my pleasure. I, I'm taking notes as well. And I I really like the curiosity leads to empathy, which you know leads to humility, and and the idea that that and and I for me I, I feel like part of it's just maturing, right? I've been on the planet long enough to realize I just I just don't know near as much as I used to, and and some people can credit that to memory loss, and I'm just crediting it to the world is just is just there's just so much, and and there's no way that one person could really know it all, unlike my teenagers when they were you know they did know it all. So, and I guess I was there at one point too, but so, so what's been the impact of, of writing your book? Um, I think, um, it's, it's done a few things, right? At, at that point, um, I was used to collective team projects that, that are, that are what startups are typically. Suddenly there was this discipline of a solo project where it's just you um trying to get out a creative output right and then i decided to complicate it further because it was originally supposed to be a non-fiction book which i then made into a fiction book and then made it in the allegory format which is neither here nor there uh, <laughs> but i just felt that that was just right for this and then decided to have illustrations inside so i was biting off more than i could chew i realized but it, it was a labor of love and it forced a certain discipline that i didn't know i had which was um, you know waking up and from 5.30 to 6.30 in the morning, sitting and writing and not getting up until I'd written at least 350 words. Nice. Um, I decided the font size, decided it's going to be a, a book of roughly about 200 pages. So I did the math. Um, I can't help get, taking a quantified approach to these things and said this. The book looks like it's probably going to be around 35,000 words. It ended up being 33,000. Uh, divided, I said I want to do it over a three-month period. So divided by roughly 100 days, and therefore 350 words a day is kind of what my target was. So I said, I will not get up till I write 350 words a day, right? Well, I, so. I, did, a, I did a similar exercise, except I did mine between Christmas and New Year's. So I gave myself six days, and I wrote 6,000 words a day for those six days. It, but it was I had no other appointments, and so that was my whole day. I spent the whole day writing, and, and there's superpower in, in being focused and knowing what you want to accomplish. And Sure, the first day was a little bit tougher, but each day got easier. And then the crazier thing was 
how much I was writing when I wasn't writing because my brain was all of a sudden continuing the book into the middle of the night and, and into the next day. And when I'm eating breakfast or having lunch and more ideas would come and things that said, Oh, you need to do this. Oh, I should do that. And, and so that there's, there's real power in eat the commitment to a word count and then the focus and, and the power of the, that that brings to the project. Absolutely. But you did 6,000 words a day for six days. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's that's like really and I, something. <laughs> and I had and I had no intention of publishing it. Really, I I put it on Facebook. Says, hey, I wrote a book over Christmas, and I thought I'll make it a PDF and, and throw it out there. And and uh, one of my previous podcast guests says, oh, I know a publisher, and boom, it just yeah, it actually. So I wrote it between Christmas and New Year's. I mean, New Year's, yeah, Christmas and New Year's. I met the publisher January fifth, and we got a forward written by somebody that was a podcast guest and we got endorsements and by February 12th had our first 200 print copies. <laughs> I'm just doing the math on that. So that's within less than 50 days from start to finish. Yep. <laughs> that's yeah. really crazy. It is crazy. Wow. And, 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 and yet it was, if you'd asked me the week before, I'd have said, no, I don't, I'm not going to write a book. Right. And it just came to me. I says, I'm going to write a book. I got, I looked at the calendar. And so it was, yeah, it was a, that's amazing. A, a crazy. And it, it won't be my last because it was, it was an interesting project and it, it changed directions. Cause my original idea was I want to teach my kids the things I didn't teach them about entrepreneurship and personal growth. And, and, and then it ended up really focusing on mindset. And so, so now I gotta, I gotta go back and, and write the one I was going to start with. And, and nice. I'm really, I'm, I'm shifting towards the allegory parable type type book as well. And so I think oh. that, that idea of writing nonfiction and fiction simultaneously is, is very intriguing. It's, it's beautiful. It allows you to get out of your head and take a third person view to it. And it's almost like you're looking, you know, what you said, even when you're not writing your book, you're writing your book because now you've got these characters as well that are carrying your story and your message and you're talking to them and giving them personalities and things. It's, 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 it's amazing. And, and I think, you know, to your original question on, on what writing a book does, something like what you did, which is writing 6,000 words a day over a six-day period, suddenly builds those reps in you. Like, you know, after that, if you were to write, let's say, a lead magnet or a PDF or something like that, which was 1,000 or 2,000 words, you, you would you would quiver in shame if it took you anything more than a day or so, right? So <laughs> in, in the sense, you, you perhaps get a little hard on yourself, but suddenly you realize that with focus, things like this are are, are possible. I mean, uh, this is one extreme, doing it between Christmas and New Year. But uh, somewhere in between, I think that there is, you, you suddenly realize things are possible if you just sit down and get at it. And I think that that's a that's a big thing that you've you done incredibly well. And, and uh, I did to an extent with, with, with the book writing project. For me, there was the added bonus of something I didn't see coming at all, which was Stream Alive being born in that journey. Uh, had two other startup ideas at that point. We quickly bounced off everything of people's stream alive was the most exciting one that people were excited about and we knew people said yeah i have the pain point i can i can relate to that that's happened to me either as a presenter or or as a person who's a participant so when people you know smile and say yes i felt that or i feel that you kind of know you're onto something that can be easily explained um, well, so so that I, was the biggest thing that came out of that journey honestly and i and i think that the truth is we're just you guys are are on the, the the cusp of something because I think meta and the idea of 
this online space, right? Zoom, Zoom obviously filled a void, but but Zoom wasn't Zoom isn't the final outcome. You know, I imagine um, people sitting around a boardroom table and and having a a 10 or 20 person conversation like they're sitting at the boardroom and they're looking at a, at a screen as if they're on that table. Right. And, and, and I think stream alive is, is, is a step into that space of providing live answer, live question, live results um, from that, that conversation. And I think it's going to revolutionize conferences. It's going to revolutionize um, online meeting spaces and, and of course, webinars and, and, live presentations um it, it this technology is you know some people thought it think it's temporary and i think it's just stepping into the next level of meta right of that space that that dimension that we're all you know is is becoming and so i think stream alive is just a step into something much much larger <laughs> I hope all your predictions come true. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, not but just for stream alive, but for for the interaction in this space, right? Because yeah. the, the piece missing in social media, I think you and I talked about it before before we started recording, was that that social media has got short little marketing blurbs, and it's a short little little message, and there is no interaction. And just like the podcast current model is is kind of a one way radio model, right? Like a radio mm -hmm. host you know, broadcasting his opinion for the world to listen to. And, and, and I, you know, they get the, the call in, but I think the next level is something much different. And, and so, you know, I, I, I want to see, I want to be a part of community and creating community in this, in this space that feels more like community and has that real interaction. Uh, totally. And just to react on several themes that you touched upon, I mean, First, by the way, on a total aside about the book and community, the other thing that happened besides Stream Alive was a whole bunch of strangers I would have never imagined meeting who found the book somewhere, reach out some on email or LinkedIn and said, I needed to read this at this point. I love this. Um, nice. That that felt nice. And I've had some made some new friends and had some connections. And and, and that's that's been good. It, 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 it feels good from that. So the book in itself was, was an interesting journey. On the... A side note, I mean, uh, we talked about YouTube in the middle of the conversation too. So I've been hearing things about how YouTube is this year doubling down on video podcasts as a big source of growth. And they want more and more podcasters like you to do live podcasts and do it with a video format with audiences asking questions. And mm -hmm. then taking an edit of that and making a podcast, which then becomes the old one-way radio kind of a thing. So I think that's going to be... The space is going to change faster than than we imagine, um, you know. Especially since they've said that's that's going to be a focus. But you're absolutely right. I mean, um, this one to many, many to many interaction needs to change um, because I mean, there, there's so much of dynamics and and energy within communities and groups which is not being harnessed. And and if you just want to feel it, you, you just had to go for a you know for a for a music concert where. The, present, the, the the artist is in tune with the audience and there's a to and fro happening or or go for a, you know, uh, I was in a soccer game in, in London about a month and a half ago and it's beautiful how 40,000 people can synchronously create a wave across the stadium and put the same <laughs> chant in sync and, and, and stuff, right? So so people can then want to get in harmony if, if we just let them. Um, what is presenters like? Like comedy only works if there's people in the room, right? I mean, 
comedy without an audience has got to be the most painful idea you know ever it's like a, a preacher preaching to an empty room for church and you you need you we need the other energy even if nobody in the room says a word that energy that the 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 reaction the 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 gasp the clap the smile the giggle those are those are all energies that that the presenter needs and a and I think in the online space, the presenters, I mean, obviously you've experienced plenty of bad webinars. And so now your goal is no more bad webinars. Let's create community. Let's create space where where the 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 presenter is getting the energy that he deserves and needs to be a better presenter. Totally. I'm going to write that too. No more bad <laughs> webinars. Energy management. Yes. <laughs> but I, I spoke to a few comedians during the journey of Stream Alive, and they said the pandemic was was the toughest period of their lives because they had to still do comedy to to pay the bills, and they were doing comedy to to you know companies and town halls and stuff, and they could not feel the laughter because everyone had to keep their mic off. Right. Right. So uh, you can't um, hear people laughing. Um, and 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 they said it hurt. It was the most painful period of their lives because you're doing comedy with absolutely no energy feedback coming back from the audience. It's 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 crazy. It's tough. Yeah, that I can't imagine. It's it's so challenging to to. I mean, it's like having a conversation with yourself, and 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 you don't even like the person you're talking to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> man. All right. What? Uh, I guess I want to I want to dig a little into your family. What What do you love to do in your free time? with your family um so 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 both my my kids i still call them kids they 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 are far more than kids one one is working um as as uh, an architect and uh, the the other one is um, in in a senior year of college nice so my wife and i are are empty nesters so yeah. Um, oh yeah <laughs> I mean, sporadically because uh, the boys make it back home ever so often and and, and we are grateful and glad for that um and uh, and and we've got our 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 dog who who demands her fair share of attention. She's she's a <laughs> rescue from Hurricane Maria and and requires a fair amount of energy and attention. So so we got we still got our hands full. Um, but but we find a lot of things too. I mean, we, we you know I think to some extent the world is getting back to almost socializing with a vengeance. So uh, we we have friends who haven't been traveling for years and who who suddenly come home. So every week we have someone staying over. So that that's that's lovely because you're reliving memories from from different times. Uh, we have a few things. We're major fans of hikes. Like I said, part of the philosophy in in name place animal thing is don't just travel far and wide. Travel near and narrow as well. So we love nice. discovering local places. So every week is typically a new hike of sorts. Um, we also have this thing on every week. Uh, we have a photo album called Dinosaurs, which is all about new diners that we discover. So every week, it's a new diner that we haven't been to before. Oh, like and that it. takes you to different parts of the state. So, so different food, different diners, different people you have conversations with, and 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 hikes. So, so that tends to fill up a lot of um, weekends. And while the weather is good here in the northeast, taking advantage of outdoor concerts and things as well. Nice. And we've been doing a bit of travel uh, too, in in line with work and uh, other stuff. So last month, um, when we went to the UK, we were in Edinburgh for the Fringe Festival, which uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but for one month in August, all of Edinburgh becomes a performing space, and you have about 1,500 shows 
Wow. Happening in a 30-day period. I mean, if, if you threw a stone, you would hit a performer. You should not do it. You should not throw a stone <laughs> and hit a performer. But it's 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 all over, you know, on the street and the pubs and in restaurants. It's it's beautiful. This so so yeah. we've been getting our fill of some of those things as well. And of course, Stream Alive keeps us very, very, very busy. Nice. All right. What was your most memorable date with your wife? <laughs> wow okay where did that come from all right <laughs> it's just to throw people off just a little right i i think um one of our most memorable dates was in this uh, street called park street in the city of calcutta which is now called kolkata because we love renaming our cities in india and um that was the date way back in the mid 90s and my wife and i first met when we were in college um affordability was almost not there so it was a lot of street food and uh, the cheapest pub on that street but i think um i, I remember exactly what we ate and what we drink and uh, drank and and how nice we felt that day so i, I would count that as the most memorable date yeah <laughs> nice all right lux what's the big dream <laughs> You know, one of the things with this whole entrepreneurship journey and going through all these things, which which has its ups and downs. We haven't, you know, it's, it's, it's a fair amount of downs and, and days where you're kind of looking not just at at interesting mountains and looking down, you're also looking up from valleys and 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 stuff. And and having done that multiple times, it kind of reminds you not to crave either of them. I mean, not to crave the highs and not to get too too vexed by the lows. Um so I've been training myself over the years to be more and more unaffected and nonplussed by those. Can't, can't say it's happened yet, but but trying uh, more, more and more to do that. In, in fact, before um, I got into starting Stream Alive, did this 10-day silent meditation, non-denominational silent thing where it's absolute silence and no devices for 10 days. Wow. Um, which, was, which was pretty mind-changing for me personally because I came out with um, more clarity on whether, you know, wanting to do this and what drives me and and things like that so big goal per se is i think a lot of it is just it's it's very easy in the ups and downs of these things to to forget that you have enough stuff to be grateful for mm. um so so um i mean gratitude i, I know a lot of us talk about it, but remembering it in in bad times is is often difficult so just just being Grateful, thankful, taking it one day at a time. Um, with Stream Alive, for example, I'm being much more conscious to spend time with the people who use Stream Alive to understand their lives, their journeys, to spend, you know, not just how do you use Stream Alive? What's your story? Why did you get into coaching? Why did you get into, why do you do webinars? Why are you a YouTuber? How did you get into games, right? And I think I'm enjoying those conversations. I'm enjoying those conversations. And I think a happy byproduct of that is we're going to build a much better product because there's a lot more empathy with our users, not because we are we're trying to get it, but because we genuinely enjoy those conversations. So might sound cliched, but a lot of living in the moment from a personal perspective and from a professional perspective as well um, is, 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 is a continuous goal, I would think. So there isn't a big goal. It's, it's, it's more of a continuous goal. I like it. That's pretty powerful. All right. So... You've been sharing with our entrepreneurial minded audience for the last 50 minutes and you're leaving with Lux's words of wisdom. What would you share? <laughs> Actually, I, I, I would share something that um, someone who 
was the chairman of our board in our previous company and is part of the founding team in the current one and has become a very dear friend and mentor. We started with a professional relationship, ended with a personal one. Um, and it kind of dances between both, but it's much more personal than professional. I still remember the first time I met this gentleman. His name is Ram Gupta. And um, his first question was not what our metrics were as a startup and things like that. He asked me what sport I play. And I said, that's a pretty weird question for someone who's going to be joining your board. So then he said, no, I just want to understand where your priorities lie and whether you prioritize the things that matter. So what do you enjoy? I said, I don't play too many sports now. He said, but I'm sure you you enjoy playing sports. I said, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love playing soccer. He said, why did you stop? I said, this and this. And he said, but why did you stop? And then, so we got into a whole tangent there. And later I, I kind of understood. And then he encapsulated it in this little... Uh, analogy which has which stays with me quite often and in fact I shamelessly borrowed a nameplace animal thing the book as well while crediting him so it's it's you know he said look um, Lakshman you're, you're kind of juggling three balls at any point in time right one is this ball of health and the second is this ball of relationships which is friends family everybody and the third is this ball of finances, which uh, irrespective of what you say about purpose and, and mission and everything, your startup and everything is in that ball of, of finances, right? And and work and all of those things. So you said the challenge in life is, is making sure that you don't drop one for the other. So that is a pretty mit- powerful analogy as it is. And then he made it, um, you know, sink home a little more because he said one little thing, the one about finances and work is made of steel. So if it falls, it might get dented, it might get a few bruises and stuff, but it's not going to break or something. Mm. The one about relationships is made of porcelain. So if it falls, it's going to crack and maybe a bit of monster glue can stick it back together, but the fissures are going to be there for all to see and for you to see throughout life. And here's the bad news. The one about health, which is related to you're not playing a sport or playing a sport and all of those things, which is kind of what I was driving at, is made of glass because if that shatters, nothing else matters. So that's a powerful mental model that that has kind of stuck with me and, and helps me remember priorities through through life. So um, yes, we spend a lot of time talking work and life and stream alive and all of those things. But I think priorities are glass, porcelain, and steel in that mm. order. <laughs> so good. Lux, thank you so much for sharing today. And I just appreciate your wisdom, appreciate your heart, and appreciate all that you've shared with our audience. This was lovely. Thank you, Robert, for having me. I mean, it, it, it felt like an old conversation with a friend. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by intentional decisions that lead to massive success. No, those aren't companies promoting our show. They are qualities that you need to build your business and take control of your life. So to help you out, I'm offering my most popular worksheets to help you plan the future you want and audit your calendar today. The best way to get what you want is to know what it is and start making sure that your calendar matches. You can download them free today at addvaluemindset.com. If you will take action by just completing these two activities, they will change your life and business. I promise you a new level of results in the coming year. The problem is that we make things so complicated and we lose focus on what is really important. These tools will help you refocus on what matters most. When you align your passion with your purpose in your work, you can be happier and start doing the things you wanted to in the first place, like spending more quality time with the kids. To get your free copy of the tools to start tackling your busy schedule, go to addvaluemindset.com. 
If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, leave a review. But most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share, share, share. In our next episode, Sarah Kudikone and Robert have a great conversation about the power of thought and words. She's a survivor because she focused on what she wanted and didn't get caught up in the drama of a diagnosis. She believes in her message, never settle. You were made for more, and you should be a warrior fighting for the best version of yourself.